Uh, here's Robert Preston as a lion tamer. <laughs> yeah, pretty close. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. As we prepare for Christmas, we wanted to take a moment to say thank you to all of you, our listeners, and present a classic Texas Christmas story with a twist. But first, what's a great moment in Texas Christmas for you guys? The Christmas I got the Millennium Falcon. That was a great Christmas. I was in Texas and it was Christmas, so that counts. Uh, then there was that one time, there was one Christmas where we actually got snow in West Texas. That was weird. It was weird, you know, experiencing something that the rest of America just experiences every year. This is best toy <laughs> ever. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. I, we've talked about Christmas and winters and, and stuff on here before. So I don't remember if I've talked about this, but uh, one of the things I used to enjoy doing was uh, when we went to the Deer Lease in December, um, we would always uh, decorate one of the trees there way back in the day with uh, aluminum can pull taps back when they actually, you know, pulled right off of the can. Um, they're always all over the place, and we would take those and decorate one of the, um, probably it was a cedar tree there at the, the camp with these pull taps. We'd use them as ornaments, and we'd also string a bunch of them together to uh, turn into garlands that we'd wrap around the tree. So, Aww. yeah. That's that nice. was fun. And in a pinch, you could use those pull taps to gut a deer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or slice yeah. your own finger. Maybe. Maybe. I have a weird association with Christmas because I used to always remember watching those late 70s, early 80s Circus with the Stars because they always aired in like late November, early December when you're putting up Christmas decorations or doing junk like that around the house. And I just, there's something I remember about singing. And here's Eric Estrada up on the trapeze. Here, here's Robert, uh, here's Robert Preston as a lion tamer. <laughs> yeah, pretty close. <laughs> You know, one year we got a flocked tree, and that was a big deal to me. And for those who don't know what a flocked tree is, they uh, they take a Christmas tree <laughs> and they spray it with this, like, insulation. And it's this white, flaky insulation stuff. In Probably it. asbestos. No, it's not asbestos. It's it's safe. But uh, it um, two bonuses. One, it makes it look like your tree is covered in snow. So it's covered in this fake snow, and it, it's pretty. Um, and then the other thing is, is I had horrible allergies as a child. So that year, uh, having a tree in the house did not like make my allergies absolutely awful. So, you know, the truth is I didn't see actual real snow until I was in college. So that that's part of being from South Texas. Blocked trees. We, we had a, uh, my grandmother had an aluminum tree one time. An aluminum a silver, tree? A silver one. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was strange. <laughs> We've never seen a silver aluminum tree. It's called a mic stand, right? <laughs> and that's the Festivus pole? Yeah. So this week we thought we'd do something fun and give you a Christmas story from a past episode. Here's a fun little story of holiday cheer from an Odds and Ends episode we did back in January 2016. So Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays from all of us to all of you. Feliz Navidad y Prospero Año. Felicidad. Merry Christmas, y'all. And without further ado, here's the show. Our next story, by coincidence, also comes from the town of Cisco, Texas. Who knew? 
<laughs> and this too is a tale of infamy and murder. There's also an interesting Christmas twist. On December 23rd, 1927, just four years after the death of Pet Brown, a gang of men led by Santa Claus robbed a bank and set off one of the largest manhunts in Texas history. It is one of the most astonishing stories of infamy and ineptitude in the history of crime. Marshall Ratliff was a petty criminal from Cisco, a modest-sized ranching town between Fort Worth and Abilene that's generally most famous for being where the Hilton Hotel chain got its start. Ratliff had recently gotten out of jail for a previous bank robbery, for which he had just served one year before being pardoned by Texas Governor Miriam Ma Ferguson. Hmm. Ma Ferguson. We'll talk about her later. Ratliff apparently hadn't learned his lesson, so he and his brother Lee planned to hit the bank in their hometown of Cisco. That's smart. Lee got arrested, though, for something else, so Marshall pulled in three guys that he knew from prison in Huntsville to help him with the job. As they planned their crime, the safecracker came down with the flu. Ratliff, along with Robert Hill and Henry Helms, recruited Helms's cousin Louis Davis to help them. Davis wasn't a criminal, but his family was in dire financial straits, and the promise of a large cut of the money enticed him into joining the gang. They planned on hitting the First National Bank of Cisco a few days before Christmas, when they knew it would be flushed with cash. Since Ratliff knew he'd be recognized by the locals, he decided that he needed a disguise. And what better disguise for that time of year than a Santa Claus suit? This would be the first of many mistakes that Ratliff made. He wasn't exactly a criminal mastermind. After stealing a car in Wichita Falls, the gang drove the two hours that it took to get to Cisco. Ratliff got out of the car on Main Street while the drivers parked it in the alley by the bank. At first, the disguise worked. Nobody thought twice about a man walking around in broad daylight in a Santa suit. Nobody except the children who were doing their Christmas shopping with their parents. As the four men walked towards the bank, Ratliff had a trail of children following behind him, hoping to tell him just what they wanted for Christmas. When the men entered the bank, Ratliff ignored the cheery greeting from the cashier of, Hello, Santa! Instead, the other men pulled out their guns and yelled, Stick em up! Just as they did so, a Mrs. B.P. Blassengain and her six-year-old daughter, Frances, entered the bank, hoping to let Santa entered the bank, hoping to let Francis speak with Santa. Seeing three armed men standing next to, quote, Santa, sent Francis into hysterics. They're going to shoot Santa Claus. They're going to shoot him, she yelled. Mrs. Blassingame, realizing what was happening, grabbed Francis and rushed past the robbers, through the bookkeeping office, and out the back door. She ran across the street to City Hall and told them the bank was being robbed. One of the bandits tried to stop Blassingame, but they weren't able to do so. Acting quickly, Ratliff and his men went into the cashier's cage and began pulling cash out of the drawers and money and bonds out of the safe. Ratliff, who was unarmed, also grabbed a pistol from under the bank counter. As the robbers were going about their business, Police Chief G.E. Bitt Bedford was organizing a response. He'd been the man who'd arrested Ratliff for the previous bank robbery and was a legend of a man in these parts. He grabbed a shotgun and ordered his deputies to set up positions in the alleys on either side of the bank. They'd catch the robbers in a crossfire as they tried to get away. What neither the robbers nor the police accounted for, though, was the response of the town citizens. 
At the time in Texas, there were an average of 10 to 15 bank robberies a day throughout the state. As a result, the Texas Bankers Association had announced a reward of $5,000 to anyone who killed a bank robber during the crime. As soon as word got out to the town that there was a bank robbery in progress, city officials and citizens rushed over to the hardware store where clerks passed out rifles and shotguns to anybody who wanted one. Soon a mob of armed citizens were headed towards the bank. Nobody's sure who fired the first shot. Some accounts have Ratliff shooting out the bank's plate glass window. Others point to Hill, who witnesses say thought he saw someone outside the window. It may have been the first of the mob to arrive that he shot at. As soon as the shooting started, though, both the police and civilians began shooting it out with the bank robbers. Several of the hostages and bank employees were wounded, as was one of the robbers. Chief Bedford and one of his deputies were also mortally wounded. Ratliff grabbed two little girls who were in the bank, Laverne Corner and Emma May Robinson, and used them as shields to get out to their getaway car. However, it wasn't going to go easy for Ratliff and his gang. Since they'd driven several hours to get to Cisco, they'd forgotten to fill up the tank in their car, and now it was nearly empty. Still being pursued by the outraged citizens, they flagged down the driver of a brand new Oldsmobile, 14-year-old Woody Harris. They forced his frightened family out of the car and climbed in, but they failed to notice that Harris had palmed the key to the car. Ratliff had to order his gang back into the other car. Davis, who'd been mortally wounded by a shotgun blast, was left in the Oldsmobile. Several blocks later, Ratliff realized he also managed to leave all of their stolen money, $12,000 in cash, and $150,000 in securities, with Davis in the Oldsmobile. Ratliff and his wounded partners managed to make it two miles outside of town, where they abandoned their car and their hostages. Unfortunately for him, he took off his Santa outfit and, just as he'd feared, 12-year-old Laverne Cormer did in fact recognize him. The robbers commandeered another vehicle and drove around in the country all night. Amazingly, they went back into Cisco that night to steal another car. They again took off into the plains, but this time they ran into a vicious blizzard. By this time, law enforcement from the entire region were descending on Cisco to find the murderous Santa and his crew. Reporter Boyce House wrote, quote, Officers and citizens poured in from all that section of the state, and such a manhunt as western Texas had never seen before was soon in progress. Many members of the posse were on horseback or on foot as they beat their way through clumps of trees, searched high grass in the bottoms of ravines, and peered around boulders and canyons. Ratliff and his men were finally caught by the law in an oil field near the town of Graham, just north of Cisco. Ratliff was wounded and captured after an intense shootout with the sheriff and future Texas Ranger Cy Bradford. Helms and Hill tried to escape into the woods by the Brazos River, but were eventually caught trying to find a rooming house in Graham that night. They were taken to jail, and all three men were tried for murder and bank robbery. Hill got off the lightest. He was sentenced to 99 years in prison. He tried to escape three times, but finally settled down and eventually was paroled and became a productive citizen. Helms was identified as the man who shot Chief Bedford and his deputy and was executed by the electric chair in Huntsville in 1929. Ratliff, the leader, and of course Santa Claus, was convicted of armed robbery and sentenced to 99 years in prison. Laverne Cormer and Emma May Robinson's testimony is credited as being the key to convicting Ratliff. 
He failed to be convicted of murder because nobody could testify that he'd fire his gun at the bank robbery. He tried to get out of his conviction by acting crazy, but in the meantime, the citizens of Eastland County, furious that he'd gotten off so light, had him extradited back to Eastland to be tried for the attempted theft of Woody Harris's car. While he was in the Eastland County Jail, Ratliff tried to escape, killing one of his jailers in the attempt. The next night, on November 19, 1928, an enraged mob broke into the jail and lynched Ratliff just outside a local theater. It is considered by some to be the last mob lynching of Texas history. Of Santa Claus. <laughs> Definitely of Santa Claus. <laughs> and that is why you didn't get what you asked for this year. Yeah. <laughs> if it wasn't for all the people killed, that would be just the most amazing comical story ever. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. I mean, I could see, like, it, this seems like a, a wistful, like, Coen Brothers film, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, except, except for the mayhem, yeah. Yeah, except for the mayhem and death. Um, it, it's amazing. I didn't know that Cisco had this much going on. I I, I went there in junior high for a five-day-long basketball camp uh, at the junior college there, a community college there, and... Yeah, I thought it was a pretty dull place, but apparently in the 1920s, there was, there was a lot of stuff going on. I think we learned from this that uh, a lot of times criminals are dumb. Yeah. And, and didn't just the, the bad planning mixed with bad luck mixed with like Texas justice just seems like a, a recipe for disaster. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, th- this is a crazy story, man. And it's the, the image of, Children following this bank robbing Santa Claus into a bank. <laughs> Santa, please. I smell an Oscar for Bill Murray here. I think yeah. we really need to get Hollywood <laughs> on the line to listen to our show. Yeah. That's good stuff about Texas. That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like the show and share us on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or go to brainstable.com and leave us some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. Why not follow us individually, too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Shaw with two ends. And I am Scotticus. We know you love this show. We know you love crazy history tales of Texas. So get out there and do your duty. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Tell a cow you meet on the side of the road while you're on strike. And go and leave that review on iTunes because it helps us to find people just like you. And if you really want to support the show financially, go to patreon.com slash texaspodcast and you too can become a come and take it Texas Ranger. We hope you'll join us next time and remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway.